there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Good morning, everyone. This morning I'm reading Acts uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 17 from the New Living Translations. James is killed and Peter is imprisoned. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. He then imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Peter's miraculous escape from prison. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to waken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your cloak and follow me, the angels ordered. So Peter left the cell, followed the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realise it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realised this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate. A servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she realised Peter's voice, She was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quieten down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what's happened, he said, and then he went to another place. Oh, good morning. How's everyone feeling? Wow, you guys are a long way down. It's really tall up here. I mean, I've been up here a couple of times, but every time it gets me. Thanks so much, Bree. What an incredible story of a miracle, hey? I don't know if you got a few of the bits and pieces in there, but um, it's actually quite 
a funny story in, in places, and we'll talk about that a bit later. Now, how many of you have been rescued from prison by an angel recently? <laughs> Surprisingly, not many. I asked that question last week, and somebody put up their hand, and I really didn't know what to do with that. It was kind of an awkward, an awkward moment, but miracles happen. Hey, it's really great to have everyone here this morning. For those of you who I haven't met, uh, I am Sarah Bagley. I'm the associate pastor here at Kerry Church. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about miracles. Is that okay? Is everyone happy that we talk about miracles? No? Well, you can come and talk to me later, and we'll, we'll talk about that. That's all right. Uh, we can talk about future preaching topics. Um, but this morning, we are talking about miracles. And I want to share with you a story about my friend Christy. So in 2013, my good friend Christy became really sick. Uh, at this time, my husband Kyle and I were 18 months into our church planting of Austin Cove Community Church, and I received a call from Aaron, Christy's husband, telling me that Christy was really sick and was actually in the hospital, and she was so unwell that the doctors had to put her into an induced coma. Now, if you've ever received news like that, you would know that sinking feeling that you get when you receive such devastating news. And so my heart sank and I just, I didn't even know what to do. I was so shocked. And so I just started praying really hard. As soon as I could, I went to see Christy, at, um, who at this point had been transported to Fremantle Hospital. When I got to the hospital, Christy was in bad shape. She was connected to wires and machines and had blown up like a big yellow balloon. And she looked absolutely dreadful. Now, of course, I would never say that to her at any other point, but she looked pretty bad. Um, but what do good friends do when they visit you in hospital and you're in a coma? Well, they take a selfie, of course, so that they can prove to you later that you were a good friend who went to visit. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but in that photo, Christy is really swollen and really yellow. Um, it turns out that her organs had started to shut down, including her kidneys and her liver. Uh, and what made it even more concerning was that the specialists and the doctors just had no idea what was happening. Uh, she was essentially starting to die and no one knew what was causing it. As the hours went on and there was still no diagnosis, discussions were starting to take place about her needing an organ transplant. It was really obvious that this was serious. And, and in fact, I started to freak out um, a bit, as I'm sure you probably would too. Every moment I thought about Christy, which was a lot, I was praying for dear life, literally. I have one vivid memory of hopping into the shower and I just remember praying, God, please don't let her die. She can't die. God, please make her better. God, please heal her. Please don't let her die. Please don't take my friend away. And I just repeated this over and over and over. And it was a prayer made out of complete desperation. And I was so determined to make God see how serious I was about my prayer that I decided to fast. Now, it was the first time that I really did that. And now I would love to pretend that I am all like super holy and went without food for days, but I didn't. But I did do the next best thing. And I, I said to God, 
God, I'm going to fast from the two things that I'm relying on daily to get me through the tough early church planting days, and that is chocolate and soft drink. Any chocoholics here today? Yeah, so you know the sacrifice that I made, right? Um, it was, it was an, an immense depth sacrifice, a deep sacrifice that I made. Now, I told God that I would fast from chocolate and soft drink until Christy leaves the hospital. And I was requesting that she do that real soon because I didn't know how long I could handle not having chocolate um, and that she would leave the hospital alive. That was a necessity. Now, meanwhile, while I was in South Yundurup praying and crying out to God that you know, he would do a miracle, Aaron, Christie's husband, and people from their church were joining together, having prayer meetings, and people from churches everywhere were called on to pray for Christie as well. And the whole church just prayed earnestly for Christie's healing. We prayed that God would do a miracle and that she would be better and that she wouldn't die uh, because it was looking pretty grave. Now, I can thankfully share with you that God was faithful and Christy was home within a week of going to hospital. Now, she had experienced a miracle, right? Like the doctors and specialists didn't know what caused her to get sick. Um, They didn't understand what caused her to get so sick that she nearly died. They had no idea why she got better and how she got better so quickly. It was actually, it was a real miracle. Now, when Christy woke up from the coma, I went to visit again. And this time I visited with my dear friend, Martina. And of course, we took another selfie, as you do. There it is. And this was our, um, we really wanted to capture that my friend didn't die moment, right? But you can see that Christy looks absolutely alive and she's radiant. And I look absolutely dreadful. And I can only guess that that was from no chocolate. So maybe choose something else to fast from, otherwise you'll look really terrible there. But doctors were baffled and they had no idea what made her better. But we do. It was without a doubt that God honoured the prayers of his children and brought about a miracle. Pretty amazing, hey? Hey, that was pretty amazing. My friend didn't die and God did great work. Thank you, thank you. That was the response I was after. Let me share with you another miracle. Now, this one happened just a couple of years ago. Uh, In 2017, we held our first specific healing service at Austin Cove. Um, I had never really had a lot of experience with the formalities of healing services, um, but there was a beautiful woman named Gina in our church. And at this time, she was battling stage four breast cancer. Now, Gina, Gina was a woman of great faith, and she believed wholeheartedly that God was going to heal her. No matter what report the doctors gave, she was faithfully believing for a miracle. In fact, you weren't allowed to suggest otherwise. To Gina, God was going to heal her, and that was a fact. She had such an incredible, strong faith in the face of adversary. Now, on the morning of our healing service, Gina arrived at church looking awfully sick. Uh, She was not travelling well at all and she was so weak that she could barely walk and she had to pretty much be carried from the car into the church. Now, most people would have stayed at home for sure, but, um, you know, and even possibly been in the hospital, she was that unwell, but she made her family bring her. Now, when the time came in the service, Gina made her way up to the front of the church with the help of some people and we sat her down in a chair 
And we invited anyone who felt led to come and lay hands on Gina and pray over her. Um, We invited them to come forward. Now, as people took in turns praying into the microphone and as others around her prayed in tongues and laid their hands on her, um, I anointed Gina with oil and and we wholeheartedly in desperation, cried out to God that he would do a miracle in this faithful child of his. Why did we ask that? We asked that because we wanted the name of Jesus to be proclaimed as the healer, the great physician, the creator of the world. So people would believe because he healed this woman who was very much dying. Now, Gina was in the very advanced stages of stage four breast cancer. Now, I stand here and tell you that without a lie, that Gina walked out of church that morning standing upright, not needing any support, and was full of life and energy. Now, it was without a doubt that God did something incredible and miraculous that morning in Gina. And now, if I wasn't there, I doubt I would believe it if someone had told me that story. But she was not the same frail woman who was carried into church that day. I had witnessed God doing another miracle, praise God, right? Incredible. In today's passage in Acts 12, we're told about Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples who had been given the charge to share the story of Jesus first to the Jews. And then in recent uh, previous verses, we see that God told him to preach Jesus to everyone. We read that King Herod Agrippa had put Peter in prison and was about to bring him to public trial in order to kill him. Now, why was this so? Well, it was because Peter was preaching and living the gospel. Um, And King Herod Agrippa was feeling a little bit challenged by this. And he was so desperate to be liked by the Jewish people. You know, who we just read in verse three, were pleased when James another foundational disciple, had been killed. Now, Jesus' disciples, they were dropping like flies. People were losing their lives for preaching and living in the name of Jesus. And it looked like Peter was about to share the same fate. Now, Peter was not new to miracles. Peter had experienced miracles in his own circumstances many times before and he'd been used by God to perform miracles time and time again. This was not the first time that Peter or the church had been witness to God doing a miraculous act. Uh, We read about God using Peter and John to heal the lame man. We heard that story a few weeks ago. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. It's all they said. And that guy just got up and was leaping for joy and he was running around. We read that Peter had knelt down and prayed and then raised Tabitha from, from the dead. Now that was a miracle and a half. You know, if, if there's a level, there's miracles, and there's a miracles and a half, and that one was a miracle and a half. Um, Peter had already been rescued from prison in miraculous circumstances before, right? There is a great account, Acts 5, 12 to 19. We'll read that. It says, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. 
As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Incredible miracles were taking place. Then verse 17, the high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But what happened? An angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. This is not Peter's first miraculous jailbreak. This is not his first encounter with a miracle. This is not the first time the church had witnessed a miracle. There were, they were very much acquainted with this miracle thing. And we read in Acts 12.5, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, I can only imagine what that looks like. You know, how, how did it say they prayed? They prayed very earnestly. Let's say that together. How did they pray? Very earnestly. Awesome. Now, what does earnestly look like? Well, the, defini- the dictionary definition is with sincere and intense conviction. They prayed seriously. Now, I'm guessing it was a bit like my prayer for Christy. Please don't let my friend die, God. You know, we're told in verse 12 that many were gathered for prayer. Say many. Many. Some of you are listening. Say many. Many. Many gathered together for prayer. The church was gathered together praying very seriously for Peter to be released from prison. And no doubt their prayers went a little like, God, you have done it before. You have rescued Peter from prison before. We see you do miracles every day. God, do another miracle now. And great news, God sent another angel who removed the chains holding Peter, opened the prison door, walked him straight past the 16 prison guards through the gates that opened themselves. And I don't think they were automatic gates. And when they were out on the street and the angel had disappeared, we read that Peter knew that God had saved him again. It was another miracle. But, and this is where it gets funny, lo and behold, when Peter went to the house where the church were earnestly praying, what happened? Verse 13, it says, he knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Now you can just imagine how excited she was, right? But when she told the others, how did they respond? Not the way you would think a church who had experienced and witnessed countless miracles would, right? They said, you're out of your mind. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel because for them, somehow that was easier to believe. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. How is it that the church who had experienced and witnessed miracle after miracle still didn't believe that God answered the very thing that they had been praying for? They no doubt prayed for Peter's safety and release and God delivered him to their door and they didn't believe that it, that it could be him. They were ready to accept that it was an angel, 
which to me I think would be harder for me to believe myself, but they found it hard to believe that God had answered their prayer. Why is that? Why did they find it difficult to believe that a miracle had happened? Now, in a moment of honesty, I want to ask you a question. Now, being really honest now, who here would say that sometimes you pray for things, you know, for healing, uh, praying for financial breakthrough, pray for changes in your circumstances, pray for whatever it is, and sometimes you don't actually believe it will happen? Yes, a few honest people, yeah, yeah. In all honesty, sometimes I pray and I find it hard to have faith that God will answer my prayers too, if I'm being honest. And I've been witness to miracles myself and to God answering prayer on a regular basis. So why is it that sometimes our doubt is greater than our faith in God? Why is that so often the case? And I believe that the answer is because sometimes our prayers aren't answered in the way that we think they should be. Sometimes terrible things happen and we wonder where God is in that, right? Or is that just me? Oh, it's me and one other person. All right. I think, I think if we're being really honest, we would all agree that sometimes life doesn't go how we think it should. Now, let's remember our passage, right, this morning. At the very beginning of chapter 12, we read in verse 2 that King Herod Agrippa, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Now, this is James, a key man in the faith, a foundational father of the Christian faith and movement, a man who had walked with Jesus himself, who had been commissioned to preach the gospel to the unsaved, a man who was pivotal in the spread of the gospel story. He was brother to John, who we're told was the disciple who Jesus loved. The people in the church loved James. They had just had their friend, their leader, their brother killed for his faith. And at this point in time, there was nothing to say that Peter wouldn't also be put to death too. That was the whole point of his imprisonment, that he would also be killed. And so I can understand that their faith may be a little bit shaky at this point. Now, my friend Gina, on the day of the healing service, she no doubt experienced a miracle. We received answer to prayer that day and God did something that day in Gina um, through the earnest prayers of the church which caused her to walk out that morning with more life than what she had walked in with. But God did not bring complete healing to Gina in that moment. He did something, but he didn't heal Gina of her cancer. Now, Gina's cancer spread to pretty much every part of her body, including her brain. And within months of that healing service, Gina died and she left behind her husband and three young daughters, her mum, her sister, and a church family who loved her greatly. A church family who earnestly prayed that God would heal this incredible woman of such great faith. Now, why do people struggle to have faith that God will answer their prayers? Well, it's because sometimes crappy things happen. 
And prayer isn't always answered the way that we think it should be or the way that we hoped for. And maybe that has been your experience too. Now, I've had many, many people over the years share with me that they've turned away from their faith because of an unanswered prayer. You know, they prayed for healing for their mum and it didn't come. They prayed to have a baby, but they never fell pregnant. They prayed that God would remove them out of their abusive home, but they had to endure a childhood of hurt and pain. And maybe this is a similar story to what you have. Maybe you've prayed that God would, but he didn't. And so what do we do with that? What do we do when our faith is so shaken that we find it hard to pray anymore? What do we do when we find it hard to believe that God would do a miracle in our circumstance? Do we walk away from our faith? Many people have and do. Do we stop praying? Do we stop believing for miracles? Do we stop trusting that God has everything in his hands? Well, I want to encourage you this morning that your answer be no. I want want to encourage you to make the choice that that not be how your story goes. You know, we are caught up in in a story of God and humankind that is bigger than what we see in the here and the now. We are a part of the greatest love story and the greatest story of overcoming evil and receiving victory that will ever play out. We are told that life here on this earth is temporary, that this is not our home, that we are destined for an eternal um, home in the presence of God himself in heaven and on the new earth on the other side of this lifetime. Now, some of our friends and family are already there. When life doesn't look the way that we hoped it would and our prayers don't seem to be getting answered and our faith is starting to waver, we need to grab hold of what is truth and not let that go. Because in that moment when our faith is wavering, the devil will try and use it for his advantage to knock you off course. But we, we have to hold on to the truth. And the truth is that despite our circumstances, God will never leave us, Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34.18. God hears His people, Psalm 34, 17. God is for us and therefore who can be against us, Romans 8, 31. We are free through Christ Jesus, John 8, 36. God doesn't see things the way that we see them, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, Hebrews 13, 8. Every good gift comes from the Lord, James 1.17. There is a time for everything, a time for life and a time for death, Ecclesiastes 3.1. Philippians 3.21 says, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which we, He will bring everything under His control. Amen. His ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55.9. God works all things for good for those who love Him, Romans 8.28. The truth is that God does so many good things for us and through us and in us. And if we truly believe that God is for us and has everything in control, that God is sovereign, then we have no other option than to say, God, I don't get it. 
I don't understand why sometimes miracles happen and sometimes they, they, why sometimes they happen and sometimes they don't. But I will have faith. Or maybe your prayer is, Lord, help me to have faith, you know, to believe that you will bring about the miracle that we need. But if you don't, Lord, we will still believe. God, I don't know why sometimes prayers are answered the way um, why sometimes prayers aren't answered the way I think they should, but I trust that you are a loving God who has everything in his loving hands. It is God's place to decide whether the miracle is coming. It's our job to hand over our circumstances, to hand over the control that we like to think is ours and to pray earnestly and to pray day and night and to pray knowing that Jesus hears us. It is our job to pray believing God will work the miracle, to pray thanking God for all of the previous times in which we've seen him at work. Because sometimes we see the reasons now, we see the justice now for why the miracle came or it didn't. And sometimes we don't. But we trust that God is using this in his greater plan. Now, my dear sister in Christ, Gina, she set an incredible example to me and to those around her that even when she wasn't seeing the miracle, she believed that it was coming and she kept having faith that God had it in hand. And though we didn't see the miracle we were asking for, I take full comfort knowing that Gina is in the presence of her loving father. It even gives me comfort, and this is a little bit sick and twisted, but we read in verse 23 of Acts 12 that instantly an angel of the Lord struck King Herod Agrippa, who'd killed James and imprisoned Peter, struck him with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. (laughs) Take that. That's all I can say. But what encourages me most is that I can see God's power to continue to be demonstrated. In verse 24, we're told, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. Despite the persecution and the death of James and the other believers, disciples, apostles, despite the death of faith-filled men and women like my dear Gina, God's work continues to go on. He is bigger than what we see. He is bigger than our circumstances. Nothing will hold God back. God's purpose and mission will continue no matter the hurdles that are thrown our way. And if Peter were to put a picture on Instagram about this moment, it would most certainly be posted with the caption, hashtag God wins. Because God wins. The victory is God's and the victory is ours through Christ Jesus who died on the cross, being the sacrificial lamb without defect or blemish, who took on my sins, who took on your sins, who conquered death by raising from the dead three days later so that we can have eternal life and eternal relationship with God our Father. And if that is not a big enough miracle in itself, within all of that, We can know His love, His grace and His peace even when we don't understand life. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank You that even when we can't see the whole picture, we can trust that You are faithful and all-powerful to have it all in hand. 
I thank you that we experience miracles even in this day and age, that miracles are not just a thing that the early church got to experience, that even now we are privileged to see your spirit at work. Now, as you're praying, church, with your eyes closed, I realise that there are some of you who are waiting on your miracle. You are earnestly praying that God will move and you will be healed, that your circumstance will change, that you will experience financial or relational breakthrough. And so I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray believing that the miracle will come. And so I invite you today in this moment, while everyone has their eyes closed, just to raise your hand if this is you. Just raise it up. Yeah, I see those hands. That's awesome. Hands going up everywhere. If you need a miracle today, just raise your hand in this moment. Don't be shy. Fantastic. I just want to pray with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray in this moment for your spirit to move, God, to move among your people. You know the story of each person who raised their hands here this morning, Lord. You know the battle. You know the struggle they find themselves in. For some, it's a health issue. For some, they need a miracle in a relationship to be restored. Others, it's financial struggle that they find themselves in. And even others, it's something else. But you know Jesus. You know their story. You know each person here by name and we believe that You cause all things to work for the good of those who love You. And so by that promise, we ask for a miracle in this place today. And we thank You for the work You are going to do in this room this morning. But Lord, if the miracle doesn't come the way we want it to, Above all else, I pray you will build faith in your people, that they will stay strong in you knowing you actually have everything in control. May we all receive your comfort knowing that whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever our circumstance, whatever the battle, you are with us. You will never leave us. Lord, may we count the joy come every battle because we know you are here with us in it. May we continue to remember that you moved the mountain before and we believe that you're going to move the mountain again. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in our place so that we can receive the miracle of eternal life. In Jesus' Name.